Uh, well, what do we do to follow that? I don't know. Um, I, I, I love it because it, it allows me to transition with, to talk about Pastor Will for a bit. Because um, if there's any story you have whatsoever uh, with Will, it will be exaggerated. Um, and, and, he will be, and he will be excited about it. Today, I do want to uh, uh, talk from God's word about God's invitation. And one of the things I love about Will is here's a guy who's ready to be invited into absolutely everything, right? Ready to be invited into no matter what you are doing. So when I think of Will, one word, and there's, there's a physical action that comes with it. No matter what you tell Will, you're going to get a response back. It's going to be, eyes are going to get big. What? What? No. What? And it's the hands and the lean forward. And not only is Will excited to be invited into that, he's going to invite Lily or whoever else is around uh, in it with him. You know, you could, I could be talking with Will, and he goes, man, man, what are you doing right now? I'm like, you know, dude, I'm just hanging out. I'm, I'm drinking my water bottle. What? Dude, dude, that thing's like almost done. You've, you've drank almost that entire thing. What? Hold on, hold on. Lily, Lily, come here, Lily. Lily, you're never going to guess what Kyle's doing right now. This guy, most of the water bottle is done today. He's excited for the invitation into anybody's life and whatever they're doing and also excited to invite others. That is what I want to talk about today. If my voice goes, uh, I'm sorry, I have been battling a cold for a lot of the week, um, and I'm just not used to talking as much as Will does. So, um, (laughs) I love you too, man. Uh, So, Tri-Village Church, thank you for the invitation to be be with you today, because um, I'm just... I love this church, and I'm so excited for the future because at one, you're at 13 months, 13 months as a church and already sending out a career global missionary to Niger. At 13 months, and you were at far less than a year, and a significant percentage of your congregation showed up for CareFest to care for this community in a really tangible way. 13 months and you've identified ways to be in the schools and the communities surrounding this church to share the love of Christ through crossroads. And so God has worked. He's not only invited you to this church here, not only invited you to a relationship with him, he's invited you to the world that he's working to bring back to himself. So that heart that is just desiring from Pastor Will, from all, from all the volunteers, that is desiring to accept that invitation. That makes me excited. I think it should make you excited too for what God is going to do in his grand mission through Tri-Village Church. So today I want to share uh, two invitations with you, uh, both invitations from God. Now in the Bible, there's, there's a lot of detail, a lot of story, Volumes and volumes that come out that can seem complicated. That can seem beyond our grasp. But I am 100% convinced, and I know it as we encounter Scripture, as we encounter God's work in this world, um, His Word is about one thing. It's not disconnected. doesn't contradict itself. God's Word is about His mission. His mission, to 
to bring a world that he created and a world that he loves back to himself. I do think it's as simple as that. And in part of that, he extends two invitations. They are beautiful, they are profound, they are challenging. They're based on the mysteries of God that maybe we can't ever comprehend. Things we'll see in eternity that are going to continue to blow our minds. Miracles that he performs now that will blow our minds. But these invitations, I think, are pretty simple. I want to share those with you today. If you have your Bibles, please turn them on or open them wherever you are. Um, I want to jump in. Our, our main text for today is coming from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 14. Um, it is also up on the screen here. Now this is a meaty passage. Stick with me. I'm going to break it down for us um, throughout our morning together. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Amen? Now, there's a lot here, I know. That's a, that's a large chunk of scripture to go through this morning. Um, I do want to unpack it for us, um, because... Ah, these invitations, these invitations are so incredible. I'm going to share some stories about what God is, going to, is doing in the world um, about these invitations. I'm going to share some stories, um, and then I want to conclude with what I think are some very practical steps for us today. So around the world, there are, um, there's a lot going on. Natural disasters, wars, displaced people. Um, I, I do... Uh, get to travel to a lot of these places, so a place that I travel almost every year and where I live for a couple years, Will mentioned it, um, was the nation of Haiti. So about six years ago, I moved to Haiti. This was a little bit after one of the uh, largest natural disasters to hit our world in the last generation, 2010. Earthquake hits Haiti. 300,000 people lost their lives. A million people were displaced. Following those initial 300,000, tens of thousands more lost their lives from cholera, from other illnesses, from things that go on in the aftermath of terrible tragedies. And so what we see uh, here in the heart of Port-au-Prince and the earthquake-affected area are vulnerabilities, people suffering and struggling um, like you wouldn't believe. But something really interesting was happening also. So the world now starts paying attention to the hurts of Haiti again. And the community I want to tell you about, they were hurting, they were suffering long before this earthquake. 
And one of the key things in the aftermath of, of natural disasters, one of the key things in any community that will lead to health, to flourishing, to thriving, people need access to clean water. People need access to clean water. To drink, to cook their food, to bathe for laundry, health and hygiene are so important. But what I want to show you now here in the heart of Port-au-Prince is a picture of what became of the community water reservoir. There we are. So you can see up in the upper right-hand corner there, um, this is the, was the existing water reservoir for a community. This is where, for years, the community had gone to get water. They'll, they'll carry five-gallon buckets or sometimes smaller buckets if it's kids, and they'll carry and they'll get water from here. And there was already garbage around it to start, but what happened after the earthquake is um, that more piles up and it just kind of seeps in. So not only is this the reservoir for water for the community, this is where people will bathe. Now this is where people go to the bathroom, wash clothes. It's the source of all the water. So what happens in this community is uh, there are all kinds of new illnesses. Because what's in this water is nothing that any of us would want to drink. Nothing that anybody would want to drink. Significantly contaminated. People are getting cholera, all kinds of other stomach and digestive issues, and the ramifications of this children who are already pretty hungry, now for the little food that they get, can't keep it down because they're sick. And so our organization came in, and, and we see this as a primary need for the community, for health, for moving forward, and, and, and place a water purification system in the middle of the community. The, this reservoir, some have to walk as far as a uh, kilometer to get to here. And now in the middle of the community, have piped up from this reservoir, the water will go through a water purification system, solar powered, and the water that comes out is clean. It's not going to make people sick anymore. But we find this really interesting phenomenon. This is the source of water that the community had become used to. And so with clean water available in the middle of the community, the habit has been formed that where we go for water is this reservoir. This is where we go. And as, as myself and other people working for me, we're sharing time and time again, that is what is making you sick. That's what's keeping your children malnourished. People are saying over and over again, this is where we go for water. Then we saw a step. The step was towards the clean water is that half a kilometer away, there's some leaks in the pipes along the way, and uh, so it hasn't gone through the purification system yet. People are putting their buckets beneath the pipes, thinking that that's going to be water that won't make them sick. But it's water that's still unpurified. And they would try and try the new water, and the response would be, no, that, the water from there tastes funny. To which I would respond, yeah, because it's clean. Ah, but it tastes funny. We don't like that. To keep the community clean, putting fences up around this reservoir, and people will still climb over the barriers erected to get to the water that has been their source of water for the community. Just a dire and heartbreaking situation and frustrating to no end. Knowing that there's, there's a solution that's right there in the middle of the community, water that won't make this community's sick. I'm going to leave this story for now. I'm going to finish it later. 
um, as we move on. And, and I want to get back to our scriptures here. Um, turn with me again to 2 Corinthians 5. And I have three points here. And before I make these three points, um, I want to start again with verse 14. Everything we're talking about today, uh, I think, is, is illustrated here in verse 14 and into verse 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. The foundation of everything that we're talking today. Compelled towards any work, compelled towards any connection, any challenge I'm giving you is from this. It is not on your own work. It is Christ's love that compels us. Christ's love that compels us. So my first point, we're going to go here into uh, verse 16. Paul writes, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So my first point as we unpack this today, Christ makes us new. Okay? Our three points, I know they seem simple. I think these are some of the most beautiful truths that are throughout God's word. Christ makes us new. Christ starts this incredible cycle in his people and in the church. And what Paul is talking about here, he's giving an example. Paul was once who persecuted Christians because he thought Christians were false, following a man, a false prophet, the false messiah. Christ comes, Christ is crucified. The miracle is performed um, that he is crucified for the sins of the world for all time and he is raised again from the dead. That is the foundation that changed Paul's life. He starts to experience that transformation. It starts there. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Why? We once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. So what Paul found here is the fact um, that, that uh, Jesus changes everything. Jesus was not just a man. Jesus was the Son of God who all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, remember in God's word about God's mission, all of the prophecies, all of the prophets, they point to Jesus. Jesus fulfills them all and becomes the Savior of the world. Paul starts there. We were mistaken when we regarded Christ only as a man. Christ is the Savior of the world, and he makes all things new. From there, that centers his identity. Therefore, I am made new. We regard no one from a worldly point of view any longer. Starts with Christ. Because of Christ, we have been invited back to God. Then that means we regard no one out here from a worldly point of view any longer. So it starts this incredible feedback loop. It's this positive one that Paul says, God has loved me and I desire to see that love for the world. He's transformed my life and then God has invited me to go and invite other people. For those of you who have ever shared your faith or seen somebody come to Christ or walked with somebody as God changes their life, you see this feedback loop that is incredible. God transformed my life and I consider that a miracle that somebody like me, I know what's going on inside here. 
and what still goes on inside here. And then God invited me to see him do that in somebody else's life. And then God transforms their life. That shows me more about who God is and that he really is a miracle worker. Positive feedback loop. And this is what Paul is talking about. I've been invited by God. I'm going to invite others. It's absolutely incredible. So he views Jesus in a new way. Now he views others in a new way. We get hints of this all the time. This is the foundation of human dignity. This is why cultures that even say they don't believe in God anymore are acting on the, the beauty of God that they see in people. This is why people matter. This is why when there are natural disasters, the church and a lot of others are rushing to help. This is the sign of God. One of the things that is absolutely fascinating to me in this is, is I will hear sometimes in sharing faith with others and around the world and um, accused of, you know, when, I, when sharing the word of saying, well, this is just American or, or European colonialism. The gospel, the Bible, Christianity is the white man's gospel. Let's take a look around the world for a second, Okay. Let's talk about the fact that Christianity today is the most ethnically, the most linguistically, the most geographically, and the most economically diverse religious grouping that the world has ever known. It's not a religion for the wealthy. It's not a religion for the European or American. Guess what? Statistically speaking, if you're a Christian in the world today, statistically speaking, your highest likelihood, if you're a Christian in the world today, means you are a woman living in an urban slum in one of the urban slum areas of the world. God makes things new, and it's real. If it were based on money, we wouldn't find from the poorest of the world to the richest of the world, if it were based on geography, we wouldn't see uh, God lifted up and churches of his growing in almost every country of the world. If it were based on language, we wouldn't see, get this, 2,000 plus. The name of Jesus is worshipped and praised in 2,000 plus languages around the world. It is about Christ who makes all things new. Like Will said, I read a lot. And I, I read a lot of sociologists and sociologists who set out to prove, well, what ha what's happened with Christianity is just a social phenomenon. We can explain this based on how other ideas and religions and things like that spread socially. One I read recently shows, well, how does a backwater religion from an apocalyptic preacher become the most dominant religious religion and spiritual system the world has ever known? to go from being persecuted across the Roman Empire to becoming the official religion. And that as other empires rose and fell and cultures came to power and faded away, all of those things, God's mission has remained. One I read who set out to disprove Christianity as the truth became a believer because he said the only way this could have happened is if it's true. There is no other explanation. Christ makes us new.
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Let's move on. Point two. If Christ makes us new, God is saying, live differently. Christ makes us new, live differently. Let's go into verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And into verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed, here it is, to us the message of reconciliation. God has invited us to be new in him. The old has gone, the new has come. From that invitation, there's another invitation. It's the invitation to the rest of the world that God is working to reconcile back to himself. Two invitations. And I love it because God, what God says is at the foundation of so much in our culture. It just gets twisted a little bit. I think those are the lies of the evil one. Because what does our culture say about who we are, about as an individual? The words you'll hear a lot in the narrative around us today is, hey, be who you are. Be who you are. Or you do you. You do you. Whatever your feelings, whatever you think in the moment is going to bring happiness, instant gratification. Just be who you are. God and his word are saying, yeah, be who you are. One who was invited because of Christ back to connection with me. One who I love. The one I desire to see whole and healthy in that community in Haiti over and over again drinking the dirty water. Making people sick. We do the same thing. We go back time and time again and say, I can do it myself. Either I can do it myself and I don't need God or I can do it myself because I'm going to work myself into God's love for me. We go back, it's all about me. I can do it myself. I'm going to be me. God wants to take that deeper. Wants to take that so much deeper and to say who you are. The old has gone. The new is here. All of this is from God. He was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Because he was doing that, he has committed to us the, me- the message of reconciliation. A messenger of God with the message of reconciliation. But we wrestle with this so much. God's people have wrestled with it since the moment sin started entering the world. Let's turn back quick. Genesis chapter 3. This blew my mind. I, I'd never seen it this way before until about a year ago. Talking about who we are. God has just established with Adam and Eve who they are. This is, this is creation. This is your role in it. This is who you were. And now we read Genesis chapter 3 into verse 1. Now the serpent, so this is Satan. Now, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, okay, listen to this. These are the first words of Satan to God's people. These are the first words. He didn't have to come and say an outright lie. Only had to come and ask one question. Did God really say? Did God really say? 
Your identity has just been established. This is who you are in God, and this is who God is with you. And the only question that comes in that can derail the whole thing, or seemingly derail the whole thing, did God really say? What I want to remind us today, yes, he did. God said, for all time, the world is invited back to me. He said, in Jesus. But we find other wrestlings. King uh, Solomon, most of Christian tradition and uh, um, evidence from this book would would suggest that Ecclesiastes is written by King Solomon. King Solomon, uh, one of the wisest, or if the wisest, who has ever lived. Writes, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this, too, is a chasing after the wind. The wisest person who has ever lived couldn't work it out on his own. The wisest person who has ever lived could not reason himself to salvation. Because the newness here, the newness isn't just about quality. It's not about knowing the right things. It's not about all the complexities. It's it's a new in quality. It's not about a new leaf. It's not about new goals, new packaging. Do what you want with that water from the original reservoir I've been talking about. Brew it into coffee. Use it to cook your food. Put it into six different kinds of containers. Guess what? It's still going to make you sick. It's not just about mixing it there. It's about being totally new. Though living differently. One of your next questions, if you're still following with me, might be, okay, that's nice. That theology makes sense to me. Christ has given an invitation. Christ has asked uh, me to be inviting the world back to him as well. So how could we ever do that? There's so much need in the world. I agree with you. There is. I think this is beautiful. God is saying then if we go to verse 20, God says we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Hear that again. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I'm going to summarize what we do and I'm going to summarize it with point number three. Christ makes us new, so live differently. Show up. Show up. Some of us, if, if you're like me, I think a lot of us are, sometimes are waiting for that invitation. We'll say, you know what, God, I'll show up when. I'll show up when it's guaranteed that this person who I don't know, who I share your story with and your gospel with, is guaranteed in that moment to come to Christ and bring 6,000 other people to Christ with them. I'll show up then, God. God, I'll show up when you present only an opportunity of this magnitude before me. God's saying, show up. 
Everywhere that you are as God's ambassador, stop waiting for the invitation because what I'm sharing with you today, you have already been invited. Invited into God's mission, invited into connection with him. The, the community in Haiti, uh, some were deaf and in Haitian sign language, they would use the word reconciliation to discuss this verse. This would be God, so the, God and man and their word for reconciliation. I don't think it gets any more beautiful than that. God and man were once separated now brought back together again. It's God's mission and not ours. He is the one putting it all together. God is the one creating unique connections amongst everyone who is in this room. I'm certain of it because he says here, as we talked about before, the newness in Christ is not for any gifting or status in life. The newness in Christ is for anyone who has embraced God and is reconciled to him. Those connections are mind-blowing. The invitation is not to change people, it's to show up. I want to finish this water story because it actually ends up good. Community continues to get sick for weeks and months and we're trying to do as many workshops as we can, show as much scientific knowledge and all of these things to try to convince people and to try to reason people that this water will make them sick, this water will not. To the point of even holding up clear water bottles. In this hand, the water that is clear. In this hand, the water bottle, you can see everything floating in it. And you ask a community and you say, which water would you drink? Every time we want to drink this one because that is what they have always known. Try to reason. To us, that seems clear. For them, this was all they had ever known. To then go and make microscope slides and to blow up into big posters pictures of the parasites that live in that water to show this is what you are drinking when you drink that water. doesn't make any difference. You know what made a difference? A couple families in that community start drinking the clean water. Their kids get healthier. Stop getting sick. The funniness of the water, that taste, starts to go away. It starts to become the new normal for them. And those families who are already in the community go out to the rest of the community with that message and say, yeah, this water's better. <laughs> we should start using that. The result is, we have a picture of it, the result is this water system that is pumping out and a whole community who's no longer drinking the dirty water. Humbling experience for me. A lesson God needed to teach me. It wasn't about whatever experience or knowledge I could bring. God was working it together and it took the giftedness and the connections that only the Haitian community who had lived there their whole lives could bring to convince others. So it doesn't take a certain set of gifts. God is saying, show up. You are ambassadors. There are connections that only each of us has in his plan because God is working it all together. Our theme verse for Missions Fest this year, I think, shows this so well. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, here we go. 
but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Stop waiting for the invitation. You are already invited. You are already invited. I learned this in another way um, in the Middle East about a year and a half ago. I had assumed what the answer to my invitation would be. We were in uh, northern Israel, and this is around a lot of uh, Arab communities and culturally Muslim and, and, and very devout Muslim communities, and with a group from our church. And it was to go and, and, and share the love of Christ and to meet what we call the living stones of Israel, the people of Israel. And our, our missionary who was uh, with us does ministry in this area all the time and takes us to a village. We found out later this was the, a village that is the, the leading village in kind of gun running and drugs in this whole region of the country. Didn't know that until later, um, but wouldn't have learned the lesson because God had clearly invited here. So what happens, his name is Samer. Samer is taking us around and he's in the car and we're kind of waving to people from the window. There's 12 I'll be honest, very white American Christians in this van, in this village, looking for a person of peace, somebody to share the gospel with. A couple of people come up, we start conversations, they say no. Not really interested. Okay, that's okay. Summer takes us and, and, and we drive and we're uh, coming to the end of the road in the village. He says, I just know it, God's going to give us a family. And we come and, and, and on a front porch of an old house, is a family sitting on their porch. There was an uncle, a dad, a, a couple of daughters. Um, and to my dismay at the time, but God taught me an incredible lesson through this, our friend rolled down the window and said in Arabic, hey, I have 12 American Christians who would like to have coffee with you. Now, our, our cultural narrative and everything we hear on the news would definitely say that is not what you say in this context. Where you are right now, that is the no-no. Here's what happens. The family immediately stands up. Oh, yes! The daughters are sent inside and a couple of the other kids to get coffee brewing, to get the sweets, the baklava uh, ready. And then there's 15 plastic chairs out on the front porch and the whole team with this family. And then a couple other cousins come and a couple more of the daughters come out and it's packed on this front porch. And for 90 minutes to share some really good coffee, by the way, but to pray in the name of Jesus to share testimonies, to share hopes and dreams for the futures of all of our families. God invites us back to himself and he extends another invitation to invite the world that could be far from him back to himself as well. We can never assume what the answer is going to be except that we know it's God who's working that grand mission together. I thought that was my phone for a second. It made me nervous. It's okay. So today as I close, where are you on these invitations? On these two invitations, God inviting you back to him. Where are you? Far away from God, not even desiring his love? Maybe. But here we find 
like that water station, Jesus, Jesus is God's declaration forever. Jesus is that permanent clean water station in the center of our community, the permanent one. That no matter how many times or how ashamed we might feel about the dirty water we've been drinking or how sick it has made us, whatever addiction, whatever struggle, whatever betrayal, that list could go on and on. That even when God has tried to put barriers around it, we go just like that community and climb over those to go back to that water. It's God's declaration that his clean water is available. It's available. The invitation is already made. Are you far from God because... um, You think you just want to work on yourself first, trying to make yourself good enough. You know what? I can. I'm just going to, I'll go back and forth. I'm going to drink this muddy water, this clean water. I'm just going to go back and forth. But I've, you know, I've been in this muddy water. I desire God, but I need to get all that out of my life before I could come drink the clean water. Far from God, but thinking that it's about working our way toward that someday we could be good enough that God would love us. Verse 21 in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is God's powerful declaration that this reconciliation, this, if this is us, if this is you, you and God, not together right now. Jesus is God's declaration that it's not something that we do, that man does. It is something that we receive. It's not what we accomplish. It's what we embrace. So it's not about me giving you 10 steps to be closer to God. It's about the reminder today that God took 10,000 steps in Jesus to be close to us. Or third, are you reconciled to God? Looking for his invitation to reconcile the rest of the world back to him as well. So my final questions are this. Will the people here in Streamwood and in the Tri-Village area, will the people each of us encounters, will the suffering, hurting, vulnerable, traveler, visitor, lonely, immigrant, refugee, struggling with whatever water they've been drinking and thinking they could never be good enough for God, will they tell a story of remaining in those situations? Or will they tell a story of an invitation? A story of a connection with one of God's ambassadors. Of God placing someone in their lives. It's about the connection with God. It's about the connection with God. Justine, I've been friends with Justine for, since day one at Wheaton Bible Church four and a half years ago. And I know she's a great occupational therapist and I know she gets this too, so it's not a... She's a great occupational therapist. What I'm excited for are the ways that God is going to use that gift and that connection and the passions that that has given her to connect, to be his ambassador, to not just connect people with an occupational therapist, to connect them with an ambassador for God who can connect them to God. If it was about money, 
so many of our world problems would have been fixed a long time ago. Continent of Africa, since the 1980s, a trillion dollars of aid has gone into the African continent to bring up the levels of poverty. Guess what? A trillion dollars later, measures of poverty are lower than they've ever been. It's not about money. It's about connection. Connection with the God who loves us. So try village before I pray today, where are you? If that first invitation is you, I encourage you to take that step today as we pray. Come talk with me or Will or probably anybody else around here. This is an amazing church. If that's you, that first connection far from God, feeling that invitation back to God, that's amazing. That's beautiful. If you've been reconnected and are waiting for the world's invitation, there's something we say at Wheaton Bible Church all the time. You are sent. Sent out as God's ambassador into the world. Let's pray.